0: This is day 191 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Matthew chapters 21 through 25. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day. We thank you for fresh mercies, for fresh grace, for fresh forgiveness in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for being our guide, for being our provider, and ultimately for being our Savior. Lord, without you, we have nothing. We have no value. We have nothing worth doing. But you have given us a divine purpose. This world is so empty. It's so full of things, but yet it's so empty at the same time. Because you're not in it. And the people don't exalt you in their hearts. Lord, may you be the one to humble them. To bring justice to them. And righteousness to your people. Thank you for being righteous, and please bless the reading of your word today. In your holy name I pray, amen. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest!" When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and spent the night there. Now in the morning, when he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree in the road, he came to it, And found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, How did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. When all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him while he was teaching, and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John was from what source? From heaven or from men? And they began reasoning among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Then why did we not believe him? But if we say, from men, we fear the people, for they all regard John as a prophet. And answering Jesus, they said, We do not know. He also said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in the vineyard. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. The man came to the second son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you, seeing this, did not even feel remorse afterward, so as to believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a winepress in it and built a tower and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey. When the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, Surely they will respect my son. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine growers? They said to him, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper seasons. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? This became the chief cornerstone? This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes? Therefore I say to you, The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people, producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter them like dust. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they understood that he was speaking about them. When they sought to seize him, they feared the people. Because they considered him to be a prophet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Please come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way. One to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you can find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets, and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many Are called, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth, and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. On that day, some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, His brother, as next of kin, shall marry his wife, and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us, and the first married and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brother, also to the second, and the third, down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? for they all had married her. Then Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not understanding the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathering together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, Then how does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies beneath your feet. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word nor did anyone dare from that day on to ask him another question. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore all that they tell you, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries, and lengthen the tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and respectful greetings in the marketplaces, and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is, Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself, Shall be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, this is nothing but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctified the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar, swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple, swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets, and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, If we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them, in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes, Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus came out from the temple, and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days! But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Until those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, And the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branches had already become tender, and put forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and given into marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will be left. Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert it would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves, and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour which he did not know. And he will cut him into pieces, and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oils in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful slave. "'You are faithful with a few things. "'I will put you in charge of many things. "'Enter into the joy of your master.' And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, "'Master, I knew you to be a hard man, "'reaping where you did not sow "'and gathering where you scattered no seed. "'And I was afraid.' and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave! You knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, When did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not care for you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. another fascinating reading right there's so much in here i'm going to do my best to cover some of it but i'm not going to go through all of it chapter 21 is what we tend to call the triumphal entry and what is significant about this particular event is that for one he's doing this to fulfill scripture because in zechariah 9:9 9, 9, which we read recently it says that your king is coming and he's mounted on a donkey like we see here in verse 5. That is from the book of Zechariah. And so he's making it very clear who he is. Up until this point, though, when he did amazing things to certain people, he told them not to say anything or not to tell them that he was the Christ. I always thought that was very odd why he did that. And I think there's a number of reasons why he did that, but we can go into that some other time. But Now he is publicly declaring who he is. He is declaring himself to be the king that they had been looking for. He is declaring himself to all of Jerusalem that he is the Messiah. There was no secret anymore. There was no no hidden agenda. Everything was laid bare and out in the open. And what was very interesting is that they responded in the way that The Bible wanted the people to respond because you read in Psalm 118 what they said here in verse 9. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a word that means like save now, save us now. This is typically something that was sung during the Feast of Booths. Now, again, just like John the Baptist, like we saw last time, they expected a different kind of Messiah. They did not expect one that was humble, riding on a donkey. So this crowd wanted salvation from Rome, but not the spiritual salvation that Christ was really coming to offer. They missed it. And so that's why it seems like they're they're so close, right? They're so close. They are calling him the son of David, They are saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They recognize him as the Messiah now, right? Wrong. Because what is the final response of when they say, who is this? In verse 11. This is the prophet, Jesus. He's not the Messiah. They're so close. They're so close, but they do not see him for who he really is, because they are looking for some other kind of Messiah. Then we see Jesus get angry. Like, well, what? Jesus get angry? No, no way. He's just such a nice guy. He never did anything like that. Did you not read what it said here? It says that he went in there and was turning over tables and throwing seats around and making a mess of things because he had zeal for his house. My house should be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the reason why this is a problem is because so often the temple, the ones that were selling animals and stuff right outside the temple, were there to make a profit, or they were not balancing their scales and producing accurate weights. So often, because they were right at the temple, why did you go to the temple? You went to sacrifice, right? So if you went with your animal to go sacrifice, so often you had to get entrance into the temple. So they had to charge you some kind of admission sometimes, but not only that, but they would say, "Oh, hang on! Before you can go into the temple, we need to do a mandatory inspection of your animal to make sure that it actually is without blemish." And so often, these guys would either fake a blemish or they would like, nah, "No, this cannot be accepted in the temple. Here, we have these ones available that you can buy from us." a price, and then you got your perfect sacrifice ready to go, it was all a means to make a profit. And so it was terrible what they were doing, and it cheapened what the temple was meant to be for. So he threw those tables around and got them all out of there. And he was angry, and that's okay. It is okay to get angry for the right reasons there is such a thing as righteous anger and that is not an ungodly attribute god gets angry at sin all the time jesus christ is god and he got angry at sin it depends on what we do with that anger that makes it either righteous anger or sinful anger if i'm angry and i'm plotting to kill someone well obviously that's not something we should be doing but if it's if i'm angry because god's word is being violated and it offends me, that's anger. And that's good anger. That's righteous anger. Do we have that? We need to really be honest with ourselves. When we look at the world around us and how dark it's getting quickly, and we see the name of God being profaned, and everything that is in his word just being contradicted, doesn't that offend you? When I see a man dressed as a woman, that offends me greatly. When I see somebody talking about how abortion is okay, that offends me. It angers me. The use of the Lord's name in vain, it angers me. Do you not see the difference between that and wanting to kill somebody because I was inconvenienced? Or I didn't get things my way, therefore I'm going to throw a fit? There's a big difference. And so we need to be people who are offended and angry because of what is in God's Word, and it's being violated. So what do we do with that? Well, not just keep it to yourself. We see that Jesus didn't keep it to himself. He made it very clear what was being violated and what God's Word said. So we need to be that as well. We need to call out those who are evil, and we need to address that with them in a way that is loving, yes, but also in a way where you don't let it go, especially if it's someone of influence. If they are influencing a large group of people to be a certain way or to think a certain thing and it's wrong, we need to be that person to stand up and say something. That is what is wrong with this current church generation. We are afraid of doing that because we know that's going to alienate us, that's going to put us in a difficult social situation, or repercussions could happen. We don't want that. Do you think Jesus cared? He went all the way with this. He went to the cross upholding God's law from the beginning to the end, and he never compromised with it. We need to be the same way. Do not compromise your integrity and the integrity of the Bible to make it easy on yourself. There is greater condemnation for that And the Bible's talked about that today. Be very careful with that. The second half of chapter 21 was addressing the Pharisees and the Sadducees through parables with not only how they are hypocrites, but also through the very things that they are doing, that they do not see Jesus for who he really is. Who gave you this authority to speak in the temple in such a way? Obviously, God did, but they didn't even recognize that. So he turned the tables on them and said, Okay, I'm going to ask you a question first. John the Baptist, was he from God or was he from man? Either way, it was wrong. Because if you say it was from God, then you didn't believe him as the religious leaders. But secondly, if you say it's from man, then you're going to have a bunch of people angry with you. So either way, it would have been making them look bad. So that's why they said they didn't know. They knew but they just didn't want to admit it, so that they wouldn't condemn themselves with their words. And so he's like, you can't tell me the truth, I'm not going to tell you. It should be very clear who I stand for, but apparently not. In chapter 22, he continues parables, and he gives one that is a parable about a wedding feast. And the people that were invited to this wedding feast just refused to come to it. Who do we think that is? This is the Jews. These are the Jews that are rejecting their king right now. And so he's going to open the wedding feast to those outside of the invited people, the Gentiles. And so he's going to gather people from all over the place as Gentiles and bring him to the wedding feast, which is the kingdom of heaven. Because The Israelites did not see him for who he was. And 2,000 years later, they still don't see him as being the Messiah. And to their shame, no less. And I just love how in the second half of chapter 22, he just schools these guys. And they keep trying to challenge him and to trap him and to test him. And one after another after another, he constantly shows them the truth. And here's one it's not a big deal, but. If you read verses 29 through 33 about how marriage works in heaven, this was something that was interesting to me reading this a while back. So first of all, the ones who are challenging him are the Sadducees, who for some reason or another do not believe that there is a resurrection from the dead, even though the Old Testament talks about resurrection from the dead. Think of Elijah and Elisha. So I'm not quite sure where they got that from. But secondly, is they talked about how marriage works in heaven because they used the law of Moses to you as a backdrop to how heaven works. But Jesus says, No, that's not how it works in heaven. So it says here that in the resurrection, they will neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. What he's saying is, We're not going to be angels in heaven. Let's be clear, we're going to be something different. But in heaven, they don't marry. Angels don't get married and procreate. So over in heaven, it's going to be where marriage isn't that big of a deal. Now, that's going to be hard for some people to accept because, well, I've been married, and what if I've been married two or three times? And, you know, I had one husband who died, and then I got remarried, and which one's going to be my husband in heaven? Are they going to both be my husband? Well, none of that's going to matter. You're probably going to know each other in heaven in such a way where you know there's a special bond, but marriage isn't going to matter in heaven. We're going to be too busy praising our Savior to worry about things like that. Then they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? And he says the first one is the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is... Really, if you want to do that, the summation of the first half of the Ten Commandments, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no idols. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. So on and so forth. Those are all things that are related to our relationship with God. And then he said the second one is like it love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second half of the Ten Commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not commit false witness. So on and so forth. So, Love God and love mankind, and that is the whole law and the prophets. Really, the entire Old Testament can be summarized in two verses, if you wanted to boil it down. Is it really that simple to do? No, but the understanding of it should be that simple. Chapter 23 is talking about the seven woes of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. And I'm not going to go into that in such great length, because you can see it for yourself, but Everything that they say and do are contradictory. They hold up the word of God to such high esteem and enforce the law with people, but they don't do it themselves. We cannot, as Christians, be hypocrites. We cannot say one thing and do another. Well, the way that we walk and the way that we talk should match, not only externally, but internally. And that was the point that he made with a couple of these. Like, Like he says, you clean the outside of the dish, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. So the problem is internal. The problem is not external. Or he also calls them whitewashed tombs. While on the outside you appear beautiful, inside you're full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. The problem is internal. And what he's trying to get at with us as well is that our issues need to be addressed internally if we are not holding ourselves accountable to the Word of God in everything we say and do, how can we expect other people to do it? Especially as me as a teacher. If I'm teaching you that you need to obey God in everything, and not to practice adultery, for example, and yet I'm over here watching porn every single night, how am I qualified to teach? And wouldn't that make me a hypocrite too? We all have our issues, I understand, What I'm talking about is intentional, habitual sin. It doesn't say anything about making mistakes and having a moment of weakness, right? Everyone's going to have those. I'm not saying it's okay to have those, but that's the natural outcome of things. But if you are intentionally disregarding the Word of God and pursuing your own lusts without any remorse, then there's something very wrong. You may not even be saved to begin with, because If you go to that extreme, there's something very wrong. And that's what he's trying to get at with these Pharisees. See inside yourselves. The problems are internal. Chapter 24 is a very interesting chapter. We can spend a lot of time on this, but I'm not going to. But this is something to really study more in depth. At the very beginning, the very first couple of verses, they're showing him the temple, and he says, Do you not see all these things? Not one stone here will be left upon another. That actually came true not too long after this. So, more or less, when Jesus died and rose again was around 30 AD, more or less. In AD 70, we have a documented event where Rome just pillages Jerusalem. And it's exactly what happened to the temple. Not one stone was left on top of itself. So this was a direct prophecy related to A.D. 70, when Jerusalem was going to be destroyed and set on fire by Rome. But then they ask him, what's going to happen in the future? What is the sign of your second coming? And he has some very interesting things to say, and this is what's going on right now. Think about the world today. There are many that will come in the name of Christ, and they will mislead many. That is happening. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Think of the war in Ukraine right now. Or Putin saying that he's going to start nuking people. Or North Korea preparing nuclear missiles. Or China preparing some sort of system against America. You name it. There's a lot of wars and rumors of wars right now. But it says clearly, do not be frightened by this, because these things must take place, but this isn't the end yet. So that's very. you have to understand that. This is not the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. We've been seeing earthquakes lately, right? Think of what's happened in Turkey and Syria. Even in New York, there have been earthquakes recently, and that place never gets earthquakes. So we know there's something going on. There are famines in certain areas, and quite honestly, there's some man-made famines like we have in the United States, where there's a purposeful sabotage of the food supply. So there's something very going on, but it says these things are merely the beginning of the birth pains. Do you think this is bad now, it's going to get worse. And then he goes into great detail of all the things that will happen leading up to the abomination of desolation, which we know from reading Daniel is the Antichrist. And some of this intermixed is also talking about A.D. 70 again, the destruction of Jerusalem, but then it goes back to end times, so it kind of jumps a little bit. One of the big takeaways from this is, for one, don't be worried about these things, because God's in control. Secondly is stick with the Word of God. There's going to be a lot of people sharing a false gospel. There's going to be a lot of people using the name of Christ, but he's not Christ. So we got to be very careful to stick with what the Word of God says. And that's why Jesus even said, I have told you in advance, you know what's coming, be looking for the signs, and be able to filter the false from the true. But to be clear, when he returns, it is going to be obvious to everyone. No one's going to miss it. So there's no way that we can say, oh, he's already come, or yeah, he's sitting at Mormon headquarters, which is what they really believe. The whole world is going to know when Jesus returns. there will be no doubt of that. Now here's something that's also very interesting in verse 36 he says that the day and the hour that he is going to come back, no one knows, not even the angels, nor the sun. If Jesus is God, how does he not know when he's coming back? Let's clarify that when he was a man, he did not know the hour and day that he's coming. But when he returned to sit at the right hand of the Father, he knows now. He knows exactly when he's coming because he's God. He fully returned to his divine state after the resurrection. So he knows when he's coming. But in the day that he is with his disciples, he did not know because his human nature was prevented from knowing it from the divine nature. Verse 40 points to the rapture where one will be left and one will be taken. So that's what that's pointing to. And then finally, at the end of chapter 24 and most of 25, he gives more parables about what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And so those are definitely worth reading and studying as well. But ultimately, when it comes to the Gentiles being judged at the end, this is talking about another future event, and this is usually referred to as the post-tribulation judgment. And one of the main focuses that Jesus is talking about here is the treatment of the Jews. Even in today's America, you see all over the news things like hate against transgender people, or hate against black people, or hate against Asian people. But in reality, do you know who has the most crimes done to it, even in America today? The Jews. The Jews are still the ones that are the most oppressed people. And it's no wonder, because it's been prophesied about this from the very beginning. There's something very peculiar about the Jewish people, because they are God's chosen people, and the world knows it somehow, and the demon forces go against them so often. Anything that God wants to hold on to, the demons try to attack. That's how they do it. That's why they're angry with us, and that's why they hunt us down. And that's why we need to put on our armor of God every single day, because they're going to shoot arrows at us constantly. And we need to be ready in defense of those things. So as we go through our day today, try to set your mind on things above rather than on the earth below. This world is so full of things, but they're so empty, aren't they? But yet God has all this stuff prepared for us in advance. We know what's coming. We need to be ready. So we need to be sober-minded at this time, to be ready and on the alert, like he said here. So let's get ready. Let's prepare for battle. Let's put on our armor. Let's practice with the weapons of war that we have, which is the Word of God. And we need to share the gospel with people while we still can. And with that, that's all that I have. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.